0: Minds and Minds Podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast.
1: Look, the the new NXT theme is garbage. I don't know what to tell you guys. Welcome to Types and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. I'm the American deadass, Danielle Radford. I'm joined today by my fellow members of the Nation of Conversation, the friend of an era. Hold on, I'm going to do that again. The friend of an era. I'm the friend! Lindsay Kelk. And our special guest, super excited, the creator behind the YouTube channel, Super Eyepatch Wolf. It's John Breakdown the Walsh. <laughs> <Get it? laughs> Welcome to and Fights, John. I'm so happy to have you here.
0: I'm literally changing the name of my YouTube channel to break down the walls.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that. That is a Julian Burrell original. So, okay, I have so many questions to ask you. I'm so incredibly excited. But before we get started, we always ask our new friends to tell us about how they got into wrestling and what kind of wrestling you're into today.
0: I guess, like the straight answer is, like I don't really have a memory of not being into wrestling. Um, I was, like, the youngest of, like, six boys on my dad's side, and a lot of them were really into wrestling. So, like, even as, like, a very young toddler, I remember, like, growing up and being like, wow, The Undertaker, and, like, wow, Hulk Hogan, and then, like, mm-hmm. nowadays being like, oh, no, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> uh, um,
1: uh, So say we all, bud.
0: Yeah, I know, it's a heartbreaker. But um, I remember also... Then, like, moving out of, like, my old house and, like, I didn't have the channel that wrestling broadcast to anymore. So there was, like, a three-year gap where I never watched it. And then we, like, upgraded our, like, Sky package or whatever and got the new channel. And this is, it's kind of, like, it's kind of nearly kind of embarrassing to think back on now. But I remember turning, like, I remember we upgraded and I turned on Sky 1 on Saturday morning and, like, wrestling was on. And I'll never forget it. It was the wrestler Atom Bomb, like, in a match with just a <laughs> what jobber. What name. Oh, yeah, I, I, Adam Baum is a wrestler who I think he was caught in a nuclear blast and it gave him the powers of being very good at professional wrestling. And like he had like these glow in the dark goggles and like orange spandex. Oh, and God. I remember just looking this at him and being cut. like <laughs> Yeah, and just being like, That is the coolest man in the world <laughs> and I'm gonna watch this forever.
2: <laughs>
0: um I'd encourage you to Google Adam Baum. He was at he was really <laughs> he had a look to him.
2: <laughs> Do you remember him being like Atom Man on The Simpsons, like it being really? up, up an atom? Yeah,
0: he was—he was basically radioactive man. Yeah, like, radioactive that's kind of what man. he was. Yeah, yeah. oh,
2: radioactive. <laughs> now I just want to go and watch the radioactive man what, movie episode. Lindsay,
3: the one you were thinking of was Adam Ant, who was up in Adam Adam Ant. It's <laughs> Adam, It's
2: just a good old time. I mean, I don't think there are enough puns about nuclear destruction. Nuclear and nuclear no. explosions are fun. Yeah, <laughs> but right. kel- yes. Kelk,
1: John, the most important question:
2: Could he get it? <laughs> Um, I'm going to say no, because I feel like you'd get radioactive poisoning, but uh, if you weren't worried about that so much, he did have some cute outfits. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I feel like out of just sheer respect at this point, I'm going to have to say yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he could get it. He could get look. that's three that's a (laughs) that's a
1: tribunal Um, all right so judging by your youtube channel which i love you're someone who is very interested in wrestling storytelling potential which is also a huge thing that we talk about all the time here what kind of stories have you really liked since you've been a fan oh
0: man there's been a lot but like i think when i think about like i guess the first story that like really really kind of like hit me in a way that nothing else really had it was i became like after my uh, after my adam bomb phase i became a huge bret hart fan like gigantic i had like the bret hart sunglasses i had like bret hart t-shirts everything i just i loved them and he kind of had an interesting like i guess turn where he became like very anti-american
1: yeah yeah he
0: became Mm -hmm. he became a heel that way but because i lived in ireland that didn't (laughs) bother me you know so to me
1: and it didn't bother his canadian fans either like yeah, not even and so a to bit.
0: me he was still a face and i remember like when stone cold steve austin started getting big and like you know like the brett sucks the brett you make me sick sign and everything mm-hmm. i remember watching that and like i was still young enough and i was like i was kind of horrified at the turn wrestling was taking and it felt so real to me that like my kind of like this this hero i had was like being kind of overtaken in this big way and that was one of the first storylines like looking back now it was totally one of those things where like the reality of wrestling merged with the storytelling and just really captivated me in a way i don't think anything else ever really had mm-hmm. cuz movies are movies games are games comics are comics This felt weird and uncomfortable and real. And like, it was kind of upsetting. But looking back at it now, I'm like, wow, that was some fucking storytelling.
1: (laughs) See, and it did all the things it was supposed to do. Well, I mean, I guess the opposite for you, but that's also the same way... I don't know. I think that's why so many people found that story compelling because like if you're super American and super a stone cold Steve Austin fan, yeah. then you're cranky. But if you're not, then you're like, what the fuck is the big deal? Yeah. It engaged yeah. your emotions.
2: One way or another. Yeah. It totally engaged yeah. you. And then on top of it, the wrestling was really good. Guys, The wrestling was
0: really good.
2: No. I no. look, 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 <laughs> I, I
1: I have said what I have to say about Bret Hart. I think that he's a talented wrestler. As don't, a person. don't
2: talk about my baby like this. Human, do this rest hold. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> it's good though because it means we don't have to fight over him. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. You get to have him, and by him I mean him from 1991. Not now. Not now. <laughs> well, because we couldn't fight over him.
0: I wasn't aware that we were going to be disrespecting Bret Hart on this podcast. Uh, this I've has been real, way. guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna head. But uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: it's been good. I, look, I'm the only one. I am, I am a man on my own <laughs> island when it comes to. Um, It's just a heartbreak,
2: John. It's a heartbreak.
1: (laughs) Later, we're going to talk about a wrestling story uh, that fans of yours know you love, which I am very excited to hear about you talk about. Do, 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 do. So there are some late-breaking news. What does everyone think about AEW's announcement about them airing on TNT later this year? They've also had some other announcements. Um, They signed Earl Hebner. They signed Girl Hebner. What do we think about all of these things? I mostly have
2: strong feelings about Girl Hebner being Earl Hebner. I just enjoy that. Uh, I like a pun. I'm really excited. I'm excited because I believe in their ability to tell stories and I believe in their ability to wrestle. So... Yay. I don't think there's a negative to this. Hardcore singing. No, I I
0: really don't think so.
2: What are you looking forward to, John?
0: Okay, well, like, I'm looking forward to just AEW and, like, seeing, you know, like, just what their, like, philosophy and approach to wrestling is going to be. Because I feel like there's so much they can do, WWE isn't. But also, I'm kind of just looking forward to seeing. WWE have the like you know fire put under them because they haven't for so long. So and I think, like, long.
1: Competition only makes everyone better. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And so it's just it's kind of win win for everyone. And I'm really happy for the wrestlers. I'm glad that they like they have an, a like a legitimate alternative. And I really hope it works out for
2: them. Yeah. How exciting is it that there's gonna be more people getting that sweet sweet TV money, looking after our yeah. faves. hmm Oh yeah. No, I'm I'm legit so excited about that. All right. So.
1: As we mentioned last week, we are fatigued about talking about a product that we're not super excited about. And so this week, we're going to spend some time focusing on NXT, which is a thing that we all love. I and mean, I'm very excited about that. A note to listeners, we record Wednesday before NXT goes live. So we will be talking about not the NXT that you just saw last night, but the NXT from last week. But yay, we're all going to be really happy about it. Um, <laughs> Firstly, Matt Riddle, the ultimate American, in my opinion. He's
2: just my favorite boy. He's like a golden retriever made human that got so high. And I love him. He's so
1: high. He beat Adam Cole after Roddy Strong interfered because whatever. Um, It looks like the uh, Undisputed Era may be no more. And we have a clip. Just okay. okay. don't of it. Move, not, yeah.
2: you. are yeah. a, right. a little
3: oh. B- oh. You hear me? Noise in b- you I love Maybe you don't deserve it. You gotta think
1: about this. Well, maybe none of you should wear the weird fascist armband, but maybe that's just me. We're this close to it being a problem. <laughs> we really are. Oh, we're within blinking distance, Michael. <laughs> it is a problem. Put um, some Hugo Boss on those boys, and this is all over. Well, that's what I'm saying. You throw them in a Volkswagen Beetle, and we have got an issue. <laughs> so the match was great. I still, look, I know I'm your auntie, but I still worry about Matt Riddle's toes. I Every time he does something and I see his toes bend, I'm like, <gasps> you are five months away. As soon as you get onto the main roster, they're going to make you wear shoes, and yeah. I'm actually okay with it. I'd rather he
2: started warming up to those shoes now.
1: Yeah, because he's you, you are like a smooth three years away from breaking a big toe. Yeah. Um, John, aside from big toe madness, what did you think of the match? Yeah, it
0: was great. I mean, like, I think it was... You know, you have someone who could like with the physical abilities of Matt Riddle, who has the like the capacity to make matches look like they hurt like hell. And then Adam Cole, who's just like, he's got a good mind for the business. He's always able to put on a good thing. It was just it was great. I, I really liked it.
2: I liked seeing two glorious haircuts compete against each other. <laughs> oh, oh, That was special for me. Beautiful hair on both of these men I've always, really I, I always, always had like
0: a bit of a I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Matt Riddle Because he was at an Irish show About a year ago and he put on an amazing Match against Will Osprey Ugh. And mm-hmm. he was just walking around afterwards Like a fan and I went up to him and I was like oh that was a really good Match and he goes thanks bro And he really <laughs> smelt of weed
2: Yay! Yes! Someone that lives a gimmick I mean, Welcome to the west coast baby <laughs> Do we think he just doesn't wear shoes because he's so high He can't feel his toes <laughs> yes. Because I've heard that's a thing. He's but you like, get so high, you can't
1: feel your toes? Yeah, just
2: can't feel his toes anymore.
1: Marijuana is legal in the state that I live in, <laughs> so I can confirm that sometimes you get so high, you can't feel your yeah. toes. Good for him. Pot's not legal in Ireland, is it, John?
0: No, I mean, no, but... <laughs>
1: readily available
0: (laughs) I'm just gonna let that sentence trail off
1: have you ever been outside of Ireland in a place where marijuana is legal and maybe
2: have an experience where you can't feel your toes
0: no I've never been to a place it's legal I've
2: definitely (laughs) John I'm trying here bud as an artist and a creative John may have indulged some artistic creative (laughs) passions And therefore legality no longer applies. No, we're artists. Sorry. I mean what what
0: is what is law, man?
2: Right, right. (laughs) Especially if you're so high you can't feel your toes. I mean but good for Matt Riddle. I thought it was a really fun match.
1: Yeah oh yeah it was it was great it was amazing this was i've heard people say that this felt like a takeover match yeah i have to agree and that's one of the things i love about nxt is it reminds me of those you know the attitude era obviously fucking a problem in many ways but one of the ways it was good is that you could at any time get a pay-per-view level match you big things could happen unexpectedly
2: and that's what i love about nxt people don't phone it in that's the thing. You never get someone who's just showing up for a paycheck on NXT. I feel like almost everyone every week gives everything they have because they're still, sh- even though it's now a third brand, they're still showcasing themselves. Yeah. And I, you, you know, it. and I think that being able to rest more might have something yeah. to do with it. But how do we feel about the Undisputed Era potentially breaking up? I don't think they're going to. I think this is a swerve. I hope but- not because I want them to have all the belts. What do you think, John?
0: I would. Definitely think it's a swerve, but like even though like if it's a swerve and we see it coming, I'm still gonna be hyped when it happens because I right? I love a good I love a good non WCW imploding swerve.
1: Nice work, me daddies. Lindsay, we're gonna talk more about Jaboy Kashida. <laughs> Jaboy, Jaboy. How much did you
2: enjoy his debut against Cash? I Cassius really Anna? enjoyed it. I thought it was. Su- I mean, my feelings for poor Cash are to side.
1: <sighs> my uh S-
2: look thick daddy can get it i'm on record but well, go well i mean i can i can help you out uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a story for another time um <laughs> nxt everybody <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah our good friend uh, kasha sono just or more affectionately known these days is the nxt jobber but he does get to go over to nxt uk and win so they're throwing him that bone um i thought it was really great i think One thing Kashi Sono is doing so well, even though they keep making him do it, is he makes people look amazing. Yes. He is a veteran in the ring. He is incredibly talented. He can adapt to anyone's style. Um, And I thought what was so amazing about this is Kushida is also a wrestler who can wrestle all of the styles. He can do anything you need him to do. He is so good so good i'm i want to keep him on nxt forever in his safe little bubble where i can protect him uh and never leave never never leave marty mcfly like just (laughs) Uh -uh. keep dressing like marty mcfly and coming out and doing great and i will protect you i will lay down my life for you keep him off the main roster please please
1: (laughs) john what do you think about our favorite uh cars doors go the wrong way friend (laughs) Um, I describe things weird I apologize
0: (laughs) I'm just glad to see like that they let him be Kushida you know what I mean like I just I was I was kind of nervous being like are they going to tone down his style are they going to like alter his gimmick like what are they going to do and then he comes out and he's just Kushida and putting him like yeah it does actually I'm kind of with you guys it does break my heart seeing a little bit what's happened to Cassius Ono because I do think he's really cool and really talented but at the same time like seeing i guess kushida take on like a legitimate opponent like that was a really good start to his nxt career yeah god forbid he ever gets to the main roster
2: oh god don't um, but it, they couldn't just give him a squash he had to have i mean it was it's not a squash but it was kind of like is he gonna lose again uh but yeah. it gave him a legitimate opponent who could match him in the ring which I think was really important Mm -hmm. uh, without it taking and that's what NXT does so well as as well it it made it an important great match but without taking anything away from all the other important great matches on the show they have that depth of um, talent and skill in their roster that they don't allow to happen sometimes on the other shows. Anyway, uh, I, yeah, I really loved it. And I think if you love Kushida, go check out some of his other matches. There's so many things that you can delve into. Uh, he had a really, really great match against uh, Kenny. Yes. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom, I want to say, 10? Look at any of them. That's Just good. go find yeah. any of
1: his matches. They're all amazing. And Cassius Ono, I will say, um, again, some people, we know that they come in and this is their retirement package. Yeah, This is Cassius's retirement package. Um, we'll talk about how I might be able to become part of that retirement package <laughs> later. Put a pin <laughs> in that, Lindsay. <laughs> the most prominent contenders for the NXT women's title are Io Shirai, Bianca Blair, Mia Yim, and a somewhat absentee Candice LeRae. I'm feeling worried about that, but that's yeah. fine. Again, I don't know what's going to happen on tonight's. Hopefully we get to see her more. First of all, I have to say, the match... Between Mia Yim and Bianca Belair it was the was blackest so fucking thing I have ever seen. It was so goddamn black. I loved it. You had both of them doing the, oh, I see you. Oh, I see you. And then when obviously Mia goes in for, you know, the the face handshake, and then Belair does the heel thing, which is what she's supposed to do. Mia, she she gets taken down, but then she gets right back up. They go at it and she says the blackest sentence in the entire goddamn world. Do I look like Boo Boo the Foo? I just have to give that up. That was the blackest thing I have seen in forever and I loved it so hard. So who would y'all like to see knock off Shayna Baszler for the title? John?
0: That's a tough one because like I've been following Mia Yim on the indie like stuff for a while and I really really like her but I'm a huge Io Shirai fan as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it's kind of one of those things where I feel like I trust WWE to do better by Mia Yim than I do Io Shirai, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't know how Shirai is going to like, I think she could do well enough in NXT, but like, I, I guess after like what's kind of become of Asuka, I, I'm i nearly like reluctant. So maybe Mia Yim, but it's, it's a tough one. I think they're all pretty awesome, and like I love the stuff with like the hair at the end of that match. I thought that was really really cool. That
1: was amazing, and it was it was a really ingenious way to use the ponytail because she's just been kind of using it as a whip,
2: so her to be able to use it as leverage. Yeah, leverage another like that was great. I'm very worried about traction alopecia. I'll just say that. But uh, I thought Her it was Her ponytail's really
1: a little tight. I like to believe that maybe there's more slack on it than we think. And it's just a lot of eco-styler
2: gel doing its job. I hope so. Because it's so. like pulling on it that much. I was like, eesh. Ugh. Plus, it's going to just wear on that hair. One of these days, that's going to come off. Yeah. But
1: also, she can write it off. So she can yeah. probably get, I hope she has more than one She, she must too. have several. She's she not an amateur. Yeah.
2: Come on. <laughs> Those are a very These strong opinion. Strong takes on her hair. Um, her of match.
1: course, I would like it to be Bianca Belair because I'm a huge Bianca Belair stan. I love her. I hope they
2: never turn her face. She should be heel
1: ever.
2: Um. Yeah, so that's uh, I do want to see more Candace. I want Candace back. I'm starting to flip out at the lack of Candace. I'll put her in the rumble and put her on Mania and then take
1: my Candace away. I want Candace, I want Candace that has nothing to do with Gargano. Yep. I want Candace being Candace. I want her to run in and beat the shit out of some dude. Give her Ono. Oh, He's yep. taking everyone.
2: <laughs> She's probably I'm, sure that I'm,
1: look, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen her beat him at PWG. I was already. just about to say yeah. I'm ninety percent sure that footage is online. <laughs> Give her Ono, oh, fuck it feed her more. There is also one person from NXT that a lot of people have said they enjoyed. Let's hear his clip. I, for one, can't wait to see the NXT TV debut of
2: Eric Hagen. All right. No. No. I love that music. And his opponent, from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, weighing in at 240 pounds,
1: Eric Boogenhagen. Well, Okay, I'm not going to lie that 90s ass uh that 90s ass Jobber ass <laughs> 1994 ass. We haven't had a Ted Turner Challenge us ass music gives me something. What do you think, Lindsay?
2: I I, I don't know. I didn't do anything for me. I I want to feel more and I want to be wrong. It just did not do anything for me as a human. The music, yes. <laughs> uh, but the overall thing I'm like I don't know I feel like there's a lot of interesting people coming up and I'm not sure you're one of them for me at this second what do you think John I mean
0: like he's totally got a look to him I think he's one of those people that like he comes out and even if you're not into you'll be like oh I-, I get what this guy's about Yep. you know um, I feel like, I, like I, I'm not too familiar with him he's very he's very pretty but I don't think I've seen enough of his stuff to really have, like, I guess a decisive opinion on him yet.
1: This is one of those where I'm like, I am tepidly going to wait and see. Because, yeah. again, if... if- they go where I think they're going to go and they go full out balls in on it. I am so in. Um, if you have any thoughts about anything we've discussed so far, let us know about them at Facebook.com slash groups slash Tights Fights and at Tights Fights on Twitter and Instagram. When we come back, we'll take a look at perhaps the most significant moments of The Undertaker's career Up next on Tights and Tights and Fights. Hi, I'm Janet Varney, and like many of you, brand new Sentient Robots excluded, I used to be a teenager. In fact, just about all of my friends were too, including folks like comedian Danielle Radford. And of course, all of us, you you take on that theater accent and our teacher would say, no, that isn't how people talk, Right? don't do the super theater kid accent, it's the worst. But so when I was doing theater in high school, of course, I immediately was talking about being in the theater. <laughs> so join me every week on the JV Club podcast, where I speak with my favorite
2: women artists, innovators and humans as we reminisce about the past and how it led us to becoming who we are. Find it every Thursday on Maximum Fun.
0: Unless you wish you could trade in your own family for the Pearsons, Inside Pop is definitely not for you.
1: Sean, that's a little extreme and also not quite true.
0: Okay, Amita, how about Inside Pop is the podcast for people who love and appreciate the best pop culture has to offer?
1: Oh, much better.
0: In every episode, we interview the people who create the culture you crave.
1: Past interviews include the production designer for Fargo and Tony DeCray from the DreamWorks story department.
0: You'll also get the very best pop culture recommendations in our big sell segment.
2: Plus the opinions of two TV producers who are pop culture obsessives and actually do wish Sterling K. Brown was our cousin.
0: Kissing Cousins, that is.
2: Listen to Insight Pop every other Wednesday on the Maximum Fun Podcast Network.
3: Tights and Bites Podcast. Tights and Bites.
1: Welcome back to Tights and Bites. I'm Danielle Radford, I'm joined today by Lindsay Kelp, and by our special guest
0: uh, John Walsh, also known as Super Eye Patch Wolf
1: fuck yeah you are this week we're going to take a look at one of the great stories of wrestling and examine every step of what made it work this is the beatdown.
2: hey yo white boy give him a beat <laughs> what is happening now we know what Julian did at work all week. Okay,
1: I love this. Um, <laughs> all right, so for over 20 years, it was considered the sacred cow of WWE, the Undertaker's WrestleMania undefeated streak. And in the final years before it ended, it was in no greater danger than the four consecutive years that Shawn Michael and Triple H nearly ended it. Now, before we get going, what did everyone think of the streak when it was still the streak?
2: I'm gonna hand over to John. Because I didn't (laughs) care about it so much.
0: What? Really? Oh, my God.
2: Just because, like, it wasn't... I was When I watched Undertaker... uh, Undertaker, when I watched wrestling as a little kid, Undertaker was around, it was Paul Bearer, and it was the full, um, joyous time of, like, (laughs) madness. And then I checked out for most of the Attitude Era. I wasn't watching. It was when I was in uni, and, like, they made me have a real job, and I didn't have Sky, and I was poor, and it was grumpy. So I just didn't have it. So then when I checked back in, I was kind of like, huh, that guy's still going. Uh, okay, well, that makes sense. You know, that yeah, so I didn't really yeah, care. Yeah. And then I saw the punk match at uh, Mania in New York, and that was amazing. Uh, so I was engaged again, and then I go, I'll i check back into where I come in at the end. Oh. But I have to say, for the bulk of it, I was just like, wasn't that yeah,
1: I will say uh, for me, I was watching during the attitude era um I would actually go home for wrestling stuff because I was fair. I was also in college for part of it mm-hmm. um, not a university, just a shitty private art school um arts conservatory <laughs> as they called it because nice. we had to call it something to justify the fees. But so I was watching some of it as everyone knows um I s- checked smooth the fuck out during like the Ruthless Aggression era and I wasn't in that and I know that that's a huge part of the streak I've got to catch up with some of it um I loved the I loved the Shawn Michaels match I love the Triple H matches those should have, but, 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 mm-hmm. words should have been where it ended in my opinion but John I know that you have done deep dives into this we definitely want to hear about your thoughts about the Undertaker streak.
0: Oh, man, it's like um I was just talking this with Julian before the show, but like um on the on the Undertaker video, which is like I guess a lot of you know, it's all about kind of him and the streak and what the streak meant and all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I got a comment from someone kind of being like, Do you really think that they planned this all out from the start? And like they were kind of saying it as a way is like, does that not discredit the storytelling on it a little bit? But to me, the fact that it wasn't planned out, that's kind of like what's amazing about it and like what's amazing about wrestling because the only way like the undertaker became successful is like you know from like live reactions and people genuinely getting into the character mm-hmm. and through that he becomes like this kind of like uh, like institution within the wrestling business itself and then that genuine like you know being over with the fans that much that then turns into this big legacy that takes like storyline form in the streak and I think that's kind of what like excites me so much about it because it's this case where you know to to me wrestling is always strongest when it's like it's bleeding into reality in a weird way and that's kind of what the streak was and like I would you know for those last couple of years every year I'd be like oh my god he's gonna lose it he's gonna lose it like this is this is it this is actually gonna happen or at least for the you know for the matches that did their job and made me think that I didn't think he was gonna lose to Mark Henry but um like Aww,
1: but also yeah yeah
0: it's actually funny because i watched basically all 20 of those matches like in the same week and every time the commentators say the same thing and they're like well uh batista doesn't look one bit afraid and then like the next year they'll be like this is the first time i've ever seen a competitor not look afraid but there's no fear in edge's eyes and it's, it's, it's every single match
1: well, we know consistency is the thing that they're known for,
0: <laughs> oh yeah, completely, but um, and I guess like to me, it kind of just became this really sort of sad story about like getting old, do you know what I mean, yeah, like
2: it's like let him die, let them, put them, yeah. put him down, take the dog outside, and take him to the farm, yeah, and I'm... And, like.
0: When Brock Lesnar eventually beat him and like, I know like there was like, I feel like it's become more accepted now that Brock Lesnar ended the streak, but I felt like back in the day, all you heard was how he was the wrong person to do it.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And now I just kind of want, I wanted anyone to do it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I could have done it.
1: Because, because we, as we saw, and we'll go back and we'll dissect some of the earlier matches. But as we saw with that match, that was really, I mean, let's be really real. As far as the streak goes, that was the last time that he was able to do a match that looked like a match where I wasn't like worried about his well being. Every yeah. other time he came out and did anything, it wasn't, it was diminishing returns. Yeah. And... Well, the
2: Brock Lesnar match, as i I've mentioned, probably mentioned once or twice before, I was at that mania. Uh, or oh, were mania. you at mania? I, I was at mania 30, yeah. I don't know if I brought a mention, but I was there. Um, and my friend and I were. It was such a great mania and everyone was so buzzed. And I think, I wonder what it would have felt like if it hadn't been a good mania. Mm. Like, I honestly do because everyone in the arena was so fucking wired. Everyone was so high. And we knew we were getting another Daniel Bryan match. So we like maintained that high. Like, mm. everyone was just fucking bonkers off their tits and dolphins sugar. Overpriced hot dogs, joy. It was just like a it was like a kid's birthday party like at the local swimming pool when you were seven and you've been swimming and you've had the cake,
1: but you haven't Ooh. done all the
2: games yet. It was like that excited. So I think if it hadn't if everyone hadn't been that level of excited and then he had lost, I do wonder how it would have felt. But it was a weird match because he came out and he looked dreadful and he was clearly being led around the ring for a lot of it. And I know that's been Talked about afterwards that he was not well and obviously collapsed immediately afterwards. When it happened, like in, I've talked about this a million times and I've talked about it in various platforms, but that moment when it happens and 80,000 people went silent, who had been pumped and screaming and excitable for so long, for everyone to just go silent, it just felt like something you will never forget has just happened. It, it just, it transcended and it, and it elevated that moment to become something bigger because of what it was part of. Absolutely. And because of everything it meant. And I do wonder how much of that ties into, not even so much the build to that spe- specific story. Like you say, people were like, eh, Brock. And maybe it's because he picked Brock because he likes Brock, whatever. But there was just so much going on for everyone on that day, in that moment. At that time, even if you were watching at home, so many people are like, Mania 30 was my favorite. You were so emotional. Mm. And then they, they managed to take those emotions and just twist it in a heartbeat.
1: Yeah, I guess my biggest question um, that I have for you, Lindsay, is that y'all do cake after games? Well, I mean, it's just constant or, cake. Or before games? Because we cake. do,
2: so we do food cake, and, cake, 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 and cake, then cake, games cake. and then cake. Yeah, I mean, swimming pool parties in the village. I'm, I'm being very specific. <laughs> uh, you had a party, the room for the parties was above the pool. Um, So you could like look down at the pool and it would always get really like condensation on the windows and it was all very dramatic and everyone stank of chlorine and, you know, so you'd eaten your pineapple and uh, pickled onion on sticks or cheese and pickled onion, cheese and pineapple on a stick. That's the food choice. What? Yeah. Did you, John, back me up.
0: Uh, I cannot be a part of any of that. Cheese and
2: pickled onion (laughs) or cheese and pineapple on a stick. Don't lie to me. John's now going to be like, excuse me, Lindsay, I'm very fancy and we only have Mr. Kipling's fondant fancies at our birthday parties. (laughs) But in the 80s, you would just wrap a potato in tinfoil, you would put pickled onions and cubes of cheese on a cocktail stick or cheese and pineapple on a cocktail stick and you would stick them in the potato and that was like the height of appetizer at a children's party. I'm making a face. I'm sorry.
0: This sounds like something I would make up to fool an American person.
2: I'm, I'm exact- so and let down. Look, Lindsay has actually done that to me before. I have, so- in fact, but this is legitimately a true thing. And I know all the British <laughs> listeners who grew up in the 80s now are like, yeah, like the cheese and pickled onion pineapple hedgehog. It was like a thing. It's a thing. I'll show you. I, okay, I, John and I are no longer speaking. Um, but it was a big deal. Anyway, The Undertaker. <laughs> (laughs) I mean, I'm a huge fan of cheese and
1: pickle (laughs) on a stick. (laughs) I I need to hear so much more about this cheese and pickle. It's delicious! (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the story of the streak started on the road to WrestleMania 25. Undertaker had never beaten Shawn Michaels, and Shawn wanted to be the one to end the Undertaker streak. He even held the classic funeral for the dead man. That you
3: use WrestleMania as an opportunity to show your peers and the world what you represent. I take the fact that you don't think I can end your undefeated streak as a personal insult.
1: So Sean would, of course, end up losing his match to Taker. Do you guys think this match was as special as it's held up to be? John? Uh, It's a really
0: great match. It's absolutely fantastic. Personally, I've never held it in quite the same esteem as a lot of people but I only say that as like to me it's like a fantastic match it's not one of my favorites of all time but it's like it's 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 up there but I've never seen it as like the defining match of like the WWE or even the Undertaker's streak honestly
1: mm. I thought it was a great match for the streak but I also I feel like they've been kind of some middling matches from the streak and I can't even remember the names of them because they're mostly stuff where I like fast-forwarded through back when I did. A, a, I a lot of the watch.
0: stuff before Orton is Undertaker fighting a very large, very clumsy man.
2: <laughs> They're so sleepy. <laughs> so that's, sleepy. My, that's my fetish. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> Kelk, what do you think? I mean, as I say, I didn't watch them at the time. I've gone back and watched most of them because I like to go back and watch old manias and they go, ha, <laughs> validated. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always had a soft spot for Edge. I've always loved it. That's edge. a
0: great one. Oh yeah. my god.
2: And you knew and, like, it was going to be not... great and it was.
0: And like I wouldn't be like the biggest edge fan, but I thought he did such an amazing job of like making you feel like he was going to beat the undertaker
2: yeah i think and that's what i think edge is really good at i think he as an actor as a character as performer he sells his performance every single time you believe everything that comes out of his mouth is gospel like and not necessarily that it's true but that he believes it Mm -hmm. um and yeah that was one of the only ones i've watched it where even though i knew the result when i watched it i'm like Oh my god, he could totally win, and then I was like, "Wait, Lindsay, no, <laughs> you know well, that and
3: here's here's something funny about about that match. They actually floated the idea of Edge being the one to break the streak to him. They like said, oh. "Well, how would you feel if you know we we made you we had you win?" And he flat out said, "Absolutely yeah. not." Oh. Wow! Like, he has so nowadays.
1: much respect for the business. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
3: and I think he just saw like the idea, the the draw of the streak at WrestleMania yeah. was just too big for him to just like. He's like, I can't carry that burden. Are yeah. you kidding me? No. And I
2: think I hear that in his podcast. I don't know if you know this. There are other wrestling podcasts out there, and one of them I've never heard of this. I've heard a rumor, um, and one of them is by Edge and Hal's good friend Christian oh no I didn't know uh, yeah, that's Hal's friend, they, they, it's great know, that they're dabbling in podcasts it's really nice to see just two young kids getting out there and making a go of it <laughs> uh, but you do hear in their podcast like they still have such respect for the business more Edge than Christian <laughs> like Hal's friend Christian well, Christian's mostly, been
1: through some shit we don't give him a pass he just
2: spends the rest, most of his episodes explaining his dick behavior in the past and then it always ends up going like no I am a dick um, but Edge 100% yeah, his respect for the business, his respect for Taker, and his respect for that match, he talks about often. Um, and I, it makes me love him more.
1: Uh, I do love I, Edge was like my first wrestling crush. Yeah, Edge was the one where I was good, like, oh, they're attractive? <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> um, so we're going to go back to Sean for a second. Sean has heard how great the match was. He's desperate to take on Taker again, which is agreed to, but on the Undertaker's terms. Let's listen to a clip.
3: If you defeat me, you end the streak. But if I beat you, your career is over.
2: Oh my goodness! Gasp!
1: Wrestling has no consequences. What?
3: This is there is actually a fun fact associated with this one Sean Uh, spoiled what was going to happen in this match a year prior to this because I guess he was like doing some interview with Toronto Sun or something and they asked him like how much longer do you think you're going to do this he's like honestly I feel like next year's the year that I'm probably going to hang it up (laughs) so surprise surprise Sean thanks
2: (laughs) I'm sure he had to pray on it for some time
1: for like a while does he just pray on his tights since they've already got the cross there (laughs) um so what did y'all think of the encore of this match at Wrestlemania 26 when Sean lost again John give me what you got
0: still two great performers, still a really good match. I think maybe lacking some of the magic of the previous one. I think it's one of those things where, like, it was, I guess, a little bit of, like, um, Okada versus Omega 4 for me, where it's like, they've kind of done everything, you Mm -hmm. know? And so, like, I definitely didn't think it packed the same heat as the previous one. But, I mean, still, like, a great match, a great story and all that. It's just, like, when you're comparing it to the one that came before, I think it does kind of... It does lack a bit of a yeah. little bit of the luster. What do you guys mm-hmm.
2: think? I just think there's always an element with something like this when it's a career match. and like Julian says, even if you didn't hear that interview, um, you're kind of new. Yeah, you know so it takes because the edge off they it. were not They were not young men. No, and it's like no. I think at this point it's more likely this is going to be the end of Sean's career than it's gonna be the end of the streak. So right. it takes some of the heat out of it, which doesn't help. Uh, whenever they say career matches or anything like that, I'm like, oh, damn it. <laughs> somebody <laughs> tell tired. me I know who's losing. <laughs> yeah, uh, somebody like, yeah. real tired. Yeah. They tie-tie. <laughs> um, so Good that always now. annoys me. But, I mean, it's a great match to watch in isolation or, you know, it, with regards to the streak. Uh, it's just totally. at the time I felt like yeah. it wasn't, or at the time when I watched it, it's like, oh, I guess I already knew who was going to win this, even though I actually knew it was going to win it.
1: Yeah, and to be fair, like, Sean was when he came back, he started doing like the best work of his career Mm -hmm. at a very Mm -hmm. for wrestling advanced age because he was like the equivalent of being a wrestling 150. (laughs) So um, he was doing a great job. Eventually, Triple H steps up against The Undertaker for WrestleMania 27. And at the go home show, we finally see the three of them in the ring together for the first time five or six years ago sean and i were driving down the road and we made a pact with each other that if one of us ever got to the point that we could no longer perform at the standard that we had set for ourselves then the other guy would look that guy in the eye and tell him it's time i came back
2: what happened to one reason only yes, i don't believe that that's to the look
1: you dead in your eyes what? and tell you it's time yeah, that's uh that tradition probably should have stayed being a thing. Um Hunter and <laughs> not Taker's Not a promo that aged well. <laughs> no. Hunter and Takers match that year was the only good part of a pretty awful WrestleMania. There was a lot of holes during that era. But what did everyone think of the story here with Undertaker winning, but also not being able to get up, John?
0: Uh I loved this match. I thought it was great. Um yeah. a really like even just to watch i think it's a really grueling match like there's a lot of kind of pain in it and i love that it ends in a tap out because i feel like not enough big matches end like that mm-hmm. especially in wwe and i think like you know the kind of the sort of war of attrition and then that's the way it ends i mm. think there's something kind of special about that and also like the undertaker can't walk afterwards i think that's like first of all it's a nice thing where it's like hey undertaker's fucking old uh, but then, like, it's a nice setup for next year as well, you know? Yeah. And it all just plays into, like, the grander narrative of, like, the streak.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Lizzie? Yeah, Lindsay? it was brutal. It's it's a brutal match to watch, but in a good way, as opposed to someone pulling a nose ring out of someone else's nose. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Um, like you believe that they are putting everything. I'm really glad
0: in- you guys hated that match because <sighs> I hated that match.
2: Was still, I'm still mad about it. I gave them yeah. like 14 hours of my life that day, and that's the four seconds I'd like back, uh, and the whole match. But specifically, I think it's a real brutal a good example of how to use brutality in a match where it looks like two men are giving their entire physicality and Mm -hmm. every ounce of what they have to this match um I like fake being busted up and having to be like out of respect for you I'm really struggling like I I like that you know that's a preferred end to some matches for me where it's like oh I beat you but skin of my teeth and yeah it sets it up for the next time The stuff with the sledgehammer, I was like,
1: no, no. I never... That fucking sledgehammer. Yeah. I'm just not... I, I get it, and it's really cool, but it's also like, are you... You are very confident yeah. in your idea that you will never accidentally sledge someone. No,
2: I know. We, even this year's match, as we've just established, was no one, no one in this room's favorite. Uh, but I was watching it with people who had never watched wrestling before. And somebody's like, oh, it must be nearly over. And my brother leaned over and we're like, no, mate, we've not seen any sledgehammers yet. And I was like, <laughs> he's, he's quite right. And not two minutes later, a sledgehammer appeared. Wait, were you at home or were you here? Uh, for Mania, the show was in New York. Okay. It was filming. It was like Bobby was, was filming. here. Bobby, continue. no, he okay. was... It was in New York.
1: Okay, you're about to make me very cranky. I
2: know, I feel terrible.
1: (laughs) So finally, this part of the story concludes at the end of an era match. It is Triple H versus Undertaker at Hell in the Cell with Shawn Michaels as guest referee. This, for me, this is also where the streak should have ended. I thought that this was a fantastic match. I thought this was a great place to end the streak. What do you think, John?
0: Uh, this is my favorite match of the streak. I love, I think in the video I did, I did like a, a like four minute segment just on this match. And like, I'll never forget watching it in like, just like my apartment in Dublin with my roommate who didn't really watch a lot of wrestling. And like, by the end of this match, I I like had tears in my eyes. I was like, oh, this is just amazing. Like I couldn't believe it. And like the way I love the ending of the match as well, where it's like, triple h like through everything he goes back to kind of like dx era triple h for a second and then just gets laid out and then they both leave arm in arm i thought i thought it was really beautiful like i loved every second of this one
2: hard same i just really enjoyed it and i was watching again by this point um so i was like oh i know all these old boys like, I know you from when I was a baby. That was the point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it worked. They worked me. Um, so I was very pleased. And yeah, I just, I thought it was great. I had everything I wanted it to have. Um, and to John's point earlier about the Shawn Michaels match being just as good, but somehow lacking the luster of the first one, they somehow managed to carry it over with this. Uh, and Totally, I just, totally. Yeah, it's yeah. got that, it's got it. It's got whatever it is that makes a match Transcend its moment. Uh, and I, I have watched it since and enjoyed it.
3: And one other cool thing about this one. Uh, you know, you kind of have, you think back on the WrestleMania's 25, 26, 27. Those are generally pretty middling WrestleMania's Yeah, like with, I often like, try yeah, not to. Yeah, with yeah. like one really good match, and usually it was the Undertaker match and all of those that was like actually worth watching. WrestleMania 28 was a really, really goddamn good WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. This was Punk versus Jericho. Yeah, this was yeah. uh Rock and Cena for the first time. This was this. It was like
1: The Rock hates the color pink. Did <laughs> <laughs> so, you know that?
3: But it was just yeah. like I think that's what's kind of cool is that it was a part. It was like a it was like part of an, an overall show and it stands out even though it was in a really crowded yeah. show. Well,
1: and I think that that's I, I think again we talk competition is great and I think that when you have everybody on the card doing well, no one wants to be the wink link. Like yeah. no one wants it to wink link. No one wants to be the weak link. Um, I'll wink at links. No one wants to be the weak link. Everyone. No one wants to be the one that everyone's like, man. The pay per view was great until X match, which really drug it down. Um, so Undertaker once again. Victorious, and the three of them hugged at the entrance ramp. Which you know, man, I will always fucking pop for friendship. Same, Uh, so did JR because here was his call. Yeah, Hmm.
2: a standing ovation from 78,363 and a moment that will live in infamy in WWE.
1: That's not the infamy, an image
2: we can never replicate.
1: And then they all keep coming back, but that does end the road to 20. And oh, we know um, these three would all meet again at a show that we don't fucking talk about on this podcast. I believe that they're going to meet again at that same show that we don't fucking talk about at this podcast, or at least some of them. Um, but that show can fucking suck it. Um, but this is the finale that the story deserved and probably, it's fine. Uh, does anyone have any final thoughts about the series of matches and what ended up being the longest story within the Undertaker mm-hmm. streak? Obviously, his streak, his streak kept going. We talked about some of the later matches, but this story in itself was a story within the story of the streak and it is what made the streak as powerful as it is. Um, does anyone have any final words?
0: I'd just say if if people haven't seen the Ric Flair match from the streak as well, I think that's a really good match to too. Both guys were getting up there But I still think they sold like a great story With that match And it was interesting to see Undertaker work pure heel On that one mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah and I have nothing to add to that But I do I always recommend the Punk match Uh yes. Because Punk And no works- one
1: else will on the network So
2: <laughs> And Punk works best when he's being a little bitch And he was really oh. pissed off uh, So he was doing his best work
0: that punk promo where he was like, my deepest condolences for your so loss good. at WrestleMania." It's just
3: amazing.
2: I loved that man so much. He's, Me too. He, he Me too. took my love and he shit on it. But I still loved it. And it's still a great match.
3: Also, what's funny is that they always talked about, they acted like Triple H and Undertaker and never wrestled each other at Mania before. When they totally did at WrestleMania X7, they just never talk about it. Like, yep. I feel yep. like it's kind of like the forgotten element of like this because they always acted like like oh, you know Undertaker you've only got one more challenge and that's me and it's like no he's oh, he already beat you. What
1: are you talking yeah, he,
0: about? He, be, he beat you real good triple <laughs> H <laughs> Yeah
1: it turns out you guys were on TV. Also you were on TV together for a really long time. Like a, a while. Like a while you yeah. were on TV together, just in case you don't remember. So that will do it for this episode of Tights and Fights. We are a podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. This week your hosts were John Walsh, Lindsay kalk along with me, Danielle Radford, John Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Plug everything. Plug anything that you would like to plug.
0: Um, Yeah, sure. You can find me at SuperiPatchWolf on YouTube or just at iPatchWolf on Twitter. And I also host the Let's Fight a Boss video game podcast. And uh, this was super fun. It was it was really great to be here.
1: Yay! Yay! Thank you so much. We're bo- we're all I was gonna say both, but there's also a Julian. Um, <laughs> we are all huge fans of your work. I love nothing more than people who analyze long term storytelling mm-hmm. um, in wrestling. Those are always some of my favorite wrestling videos and wrestling content. And we really appreciate you um, lending your expertise to us while we. Tell dick jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing
0: because it it's was my true. pleasure. It was great.
1: Uh, <laughs> you must come and do it in person. Sometime. Yeah. I, I, you have to come and do it in person sometime. Lindsay Kelk talk about Hi.
2: books i have books i write books there's so many books um, i have a book coming out in two weeks one two weeks one week two weeks two weeks um, i heart hawaii is out <laughs> it just seems so wrong in this context no in this black room wearing a wrestling shirt talking about wrestling i'm like i have a book called i heart hawaii um it's very good Uh, It's out on May 30th. Also my first children's book, which um, feels more right because it's snarky and funny and silly. (laughs) Uh, And that is also out on May 30th, Cinders and Sparks. So check those out and uh, you can find me all over the internet at Lindsay Kelk. People often do. They have opinions. Uh, Come share them with me. I may not agree with them, but I would like to hear them. Hey, we love you all. Stop asking Lindsay to proofread your books. (laughs) Novels are long. I wish I could. I also can't come to your house with my book for you to sign it. I can't, I'd like to. Yeah, she she would love to. Um,
1: maybe one day we'll figure out a way where you can send a page of something and Lindsay can sign it, no, but she can't.
2: She, no, she can't do that no, either. No, can't do that either, <laughs> or. It's just a lot of them. <laughs> or he, I'm coming to 10 cities. Yeah. I'm coming on tour to 10 cities. There's the segue I was come looking to for. Come to one of those, it. sorry. like I would love to see you. Please, whenever Tights Invites people, come to book events. I am beside myself with joy. And we don't just talk about books, we talk about all kinds of nonsense, so uh, definitely come to the book tour.
3: I was one of those people. It was fun.
2: Julian's Finn. Julian knows. I was wearing a Kenny Omega shirt. I was so pleased. Yes. I didn't know he was coming.
3: And I was wearing a Finn shirt.
2: We live our brand.
1: Oh, we live our brand. So, and then I am Danielle Radford. Uh, as per usual, y'all can find me on Screen Junkies. I am one of the writers of the Honest Trailers now, so you can um, do that. Mm. We just put up the Honest Trailer for Speed, which I'm very happy happy about. Um, I'm also on the Honest Trailer Commentary this week. I have been hosting more of the episodes for SJU, which has been really fun. I just put up god i've got a bunch of articles on fandom i covered one about how they made steve rogers work when it seems like he should be corny as fuck i have one about how iron man um worked to create the universe of the mcu i just put out one which is about how amazing thick thor is and the lessons Sweet. that we could learn about uh thick thor and how to make thickies work on screen so go check those i wow i amazingly have a lot of shit to plug <laughs> This is a good day. It's a good day. I'm getting paid. Guys, I can buy skirts. Yay! I bought new shoes I got a new bra it's a new day yes it is
0: <laughs> our producer is <laughs> nice <the> fi- <laughs> brought it back around
1: <laughs> our produce- it's not always a given <laughs> it's not always a given <laughs> nor do I try to our producer is the five tool player Julian Burrell I don't know why anyone lets me do this professionally senior producer at Maximum Fun is Laura Swisher Mike Eagle is the voice behind our theme music so we're putting him over for that keep up with us all week long at facebook.com slash group slash tights and at tights fights on Twitter and on Instagram if you love the show remember to hit those five stars on apple podcasts or whatever your podcast snatch and app is and share us with all of your friends thank you so 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 much to all of the max fund members who make the show possible we'll be back next week for more you guessed it wrestling Tyson
2: and
3: bites podcast Tyson and bites